You've landed on the Lonely Diplomat podcast, and wherever you are in the world, welcome. I'm Phil McAuliffe, and I'm the Lonely Diplomat. This podcast is for you if you are a diplomat or someone who lives the diplomatic life and want to reconnect with yourself and the world around you. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with Toby about his experience of being the child in a family living their diplomatic life. You're going to want to hear what he has to say because he has some important messages for us all to hear. But before we get into this episode, I want to say two things. First, this episode comes to you from Canberra, and I want to pay my respects to the elders of the Ngunnawal people, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of the land upon which this episode was recorded, edited, and uploaded. I want to extend that acknowledgement to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening, and indeed all First Nations peoples listening wherever you are in the world. Secondly, I want to acknowledge you, my dear listener. I want to recognize the courage you've shown in pressing play on this episode because, let's be honest, and we're going to be really honest in this episode, few people look for content on loneliness in diplomacy unless they recognize that they might sort of perhaps maybe be experiencing a little bit of loneliness while living their diplomatic life. Pressing play may have felt like a big step. And if that was the case for you, I want to say that I see it and I recognize your courage. So to this episode, I ask you for some patience because there's a little bit here for me to introduce and to put into context for you. And the conversation that you're about to join comes after I released episode 56 of the podcast earlier in 2023. That episode contained a discussion that I had with Tanya Crossman from TCK Training, TCK being third culture kid, training about how living the diplomatic life negatively affects our children. That episode contained lots of data and Tanya's analysis of it that point to how our children are not doing okay and that being the child of a diplomat can negatively affect our children's mental and emotional well-being. I know that the conversation with Tanya prompted more conversations around the kitchen tables of families globally about how the diplomatic life is affecting us. And the episode also comes a few years after I recorded a conversation with the amazing Jacqueline Bendorf, who shared way back in episode 7 how growing up as the daughter of a diplomat in Uruguay affected her beyond childhood. And if you've not listened to either or both of those episodes, I invite you to go and do so soon. So that's episode 56 and episode 7. This episode comes after Toby approached me to see if I'd be interested in recording a conversation with him. He shared with me that he's 15 years old, and soon to be 16, and had lived in lots of different places, and he had something to share with the world, specifically other teenagers who are living the diplomatic life. Now, I was eager to have a chat with him, but I want you to know that I wanted to have a chat with him only when a parent was present to supervise his well-being. And this happened. Parts of what you're about to hear will make you smile and laugh. 
There are stories that speak to the wonder and joy of discovery of our world that we can all relate to, no matter our age. Other parts may make you feel something quite different. Now, I invite you to listen. Simply listen. Listen to all the episode. Listen to the words of a brave, courageous, and articulate young man who's discovering and making sense of the world and whose life experience is an all-too-common part of the diplomatic life. If during and after listening to our conversation you find yourself feeling negatively triggered, I invite you to kindly ask yourself why you're having that response and be okay with discomfort. Don't judge that discomfort. Don't judge that negative triggering. Instead, get curious, like genuinely curious. Toby in this episode is asking for things to change. And change, we need to remember, rarely happens when we're comfortable. Change rarely happens when we ask nicely for permission. Change rarely happens when we choose comfort and busying ourselves with the daily requirements of life and work rather than addressing real issues affecting real humans in a real way. And towards the end of the conversation, you'll notice that Toby, the brave, courageous and articulate almost 16-year-old, begins to choose his words very carefully. He's trying to walk that fine line between speaking truth and not wanting to get anyone into trouble. Truth, we need to remember, lives in the heart. And saying and doing the thing that makes others comfortable lives in the head. But in the battle between our hearts and our heads, the truth is that the heart always finds a way to win, even if that's very inconvenient. Now, find Toby's story and how he's voicing his frustrations inspiring. He allows himself to speak from his heart. And it takes courage to speak truth to power. Because when our truth is laid bare, the delusions that we've been telling ourselves have nowhere to hide. And please stay tuned to the end of the conversation because... Toby has a message he wants me to pass on to those teenagers who are also living the diplomatic life and are trying to negotiate their life. Okay, with all of that said, let's jump into the conversation. Toby, welcome to the Lonely Diplomat podcast. Hi, it's nice to be here. I am just so like thrilled to have a chat with someone on a topic that is really well personally important to me as a parent uh, and I know will really strike a chord with many listeners who are living the diplomatic life around the world so I want to make sure that, you know, we have like a a really great conversation. I mean, we've already had a great conversation offline, but um, just want to make sure that, uh, you know, your mum is right nearby and listener, 
this is really important to me as well that uh, that that you know that Toby's mum is is right nearby, and yes, I am. And um, yeah, so we've got a couple of questions that I want to have a chat to you about Toby. But before we jump into all of that, hmm? like, who are you? Can you tell us I... a little bit about yourself? So. I'm Toby. I'm really into video games, cartoons, normal child stuff that I probably shouldn't be still be doing, but that's fine. Um, I guess I've moved a lot. So I've lived in, we, we could write a song about this, <laughs> Thailand, Australia, which I am currently here, mm -hmm. uh, Laos, Abuja, Niger, no, that's still, that's still Abuja. Yep. Uh, Paris, Moscow, I'm forgetting one, Serbia, there we go. I've probably missed one, but we'll just skip, skip it. That's Serbia. So, um, listener, you can't see Toby right now, but he did the thing that I think we all do when someone asks us about where we've lived. He kind of looked up to the left and sort of looked into the middle distance and using his fingers, he counted off uh, the cities in in order. And um, it, it's, it's awesome in, in like that sort of universal way that we all do when we sort of are trying to think back over our life. But Toby, how, how old are you right now? I'm currently 15, but in just a couple of days, I will be 16. And... That is a lot of places to live in by uh, by the time that you're 16. Mm. In the last uh, four-ish years, I've lived in five different countries, I think. Four, country, four countries in the last five years. Yep. Right. And that, I want to sort of ask... There's a, well, there's a lot of questions that are coming up for me right now. But one of the one of the questions is like, does that saying that out loud does that make your head spin, or is it completely normal? I kind of imagine it like it's a catalog of video games I have, where it's just like different lives I've lived, and I faintly remember them. But if I went back, I'd remember all of the little details I missed. Right. That's a great way of putting it because it's really, yeah, like, you know, there's, there's, especially for some of those times, like, we'll get into this, I'm sure, like, the world has really changed a lot over the last four, four years. So, it was four countries, five years, not five countries, four years. Um, and... Yeah, there's there's a lot right in there that um, you know. I'm sure if you went back to back to those places, things would come back to you. Does it feel like a bit of a blur sometimes? Oh yes, like obviously the countries I lived in when I was little, I don't remember as much. But even some countries like Paris, which was about three years ago now. Yep, I. It's kind of. It feels repetitive, I suppose, what I did. Like, I'd walk to school, then I'd come back. So, it's kind of like, I remember the big things that happened, but not all of the little things. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really common. 
Um, and I'm curious. So you're in Australia now mm-hmm. and you're at a school here in Canberra. And when you introduce yourself and, you know, getting to know other students in your year, what's the response that you generally get? To me, living, uh, some people don't believe me. Some people need proof. <laughs> but a lot of the time, they'll just be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> just just out of interest, I don't know, like, what, what proof? What proof would they be looking for? Well, I mean, it it's kind of hard sometimes. I feel like even if I got a photo or something, they wouldn't believe me because of the AI and Photoshop, all of that. <laughs> really easy to fake things. Yeah. So, so sometimes I just have... So I have two things I think really help. I have my diplomatic passport, but it's just for schools. It's not an actual one. I shouldn't be showing that to random people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then sometimes just in a, my coat or my pocket, I'll just have a coin from a different country. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, proof of, I want to say proof of purchase, but not necessarily like, you know, take a receipt from every sort of supermarket that you you um, you got some stuff at for the last few years. And out of all of that, where do you feel home? That's a tricky question. It I is. feel like sorry. <laughs> there, I don't have a place that I would really consider my home home. But if I had to choose, I'd probably have to say Mount Gambia, just because throughout my entire life, that's always been the place I'd go back to because all my family's there. Great. So <clears throat> for those of you who aren't lucky enough to be in Australia right now, Mount Gambia is a regional city. In, uh, in South Australia, sort of between Adelaide and Melbourne. Uh, and if you uh, enjoy uh, a hearty red wine, listener, um, odds are it's probably from an area just to the north of Mount Gambia um, in the Coonawarra, which is the most Australian-sounding name ever, but, uh, but good, very good wine. Um, so that's been home base, really, Toby. Yeah. And how often would you get to to Mount Gambia? Well, a couple of years ago, it was like a once every couple of months thing. But it's, it's sort of devolved because of COVID to once every couple of years. Yeah. But we have, we have been coming back at least once a year now, okay. which is better. Yeah. And when did you get back to... When did you get to Australia? I was about to say get back to Australia, but when did you get to Australia? I think halfway through january so i've been here for about six months now wow wow and how how has the the settling gone has it been been Uh, it's been pretty good we sent a bunch of stuff from all the different countries here and then we realized that we sent a bunch of different stuff from all the countries here (laughs) so we've got a garage just completely filled with boxes of things we're not going to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that is a really common thing. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, you seem a lot more switched on than I do, but I often find myself standing in the kitchen 
and, you know, cooking and I like, I need this thing, but I can't find it. But I remember where it was in the kitchen in Seoul, like six years ago. I could uh-huh. like go back to that kitchen and find exactly where you used to live in that kitchen. But uh, there's been three, four kitchens since that time. And I don't know where things are anymore. Um, so you end up buying like, you know, 20 different things and then, um, uh, you know, forgetting where you put them all. But I want to ask what... What prompted you to reach out to, to come and have a chat with, uh, with me and, and the audience here on the Lonely Diplomat podcast? Uh, so I was just going for a walk in Serbia with my parents, and we were just discussing a bunch of random things, as you do. <laughs> and then my mom brought up your podcast, and I said, oh, that actually sounds really interesting. I'd like to see that. Uh, and then... My dad, who was supposed to uh, send you a message, didn't. <laughs> so my mom ended up doing it like five months later. <laughs> That's okay. I think, um, I think you know, parents. As a parent myself, there's a lot on our minds as well. So I, I think that's okay. I'm really glad that you did. I'm really glad that you did because a few months ago so this is so we're recording this in june uh of 2023 i generally don't like to say the date because you know it 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 tends to age things but for this for this instance it's important so like it is june right and back in february i released a uh i published an article written by tanya crossman uh, who is, when she's in Australia, she's based in Canberra, and she works with uh, third country kids, or third culture kids. So, kids like you, uh, and who uh, grow up in places that aren't their passport country. And she's done a whole lot of research. She's done, um, she, she, like, and, and the group that she works for do a whole lot of training for parents, for schools, for um, and support for TCKs as well. And she wrote a fantastic blog, uh, and she and I had a, a chat in, I noted this down before, episode 56, where she talked about how kids, how this diplomatic life and expat life, but specifically diplomatic life, can really affect our kids. And I feel that this is this is something like, you know, I'm going to say that I can completely understand why your dad forgot to message me. Um, and I can completely understand why, you know, mums and dads... Uh, the world over um, have, uh, you know, sort of let things slip a little bit. This is, this is, this is a crazy life, isn't it? Mm. And it's, it's one, you know, you well know this, Toby, that, you know, when you're trying to explain it to people outside of diplomacy, it's just like, well, I don't really get it. Mm. What do you do when someone doesn't get it? Well, that's the thing. I, there's no way, really, to just say, 
this you can't I can't change their perspective on the entire world. Like my even my perspective on the world is limited by the things around me. But I've no I've noticed that places like Canberra have something of a small town mentality mm. where they only focus on things that are happening around them but not like throughout the entire world. That's yeah. Yeah. I feel that there are people all over the world listening to those words right now and nodding. <laughs> Cuz yeah. Yeah. And do you think that's understandable? Yeah, I mean like if I was a goldfish or something who'd never left the tank, I wouldn't understand what outside was. But, mm. you know, it can be freeing being in one place too because you can have a lot more I don't know what the word is, but I guess just you can be yourself more if everyone knows you. Mm. Yeah. And this is I think what you're hitting upon here is really common. And no matter what the age of the person living the diplomatic life, but there is a lot that, well, comparatively more written from the perspective of adults uh, as adults and adults as parents. So this is why I'm really excited to talk to you today because I'm really keen to hear your insight like you're almost 16 but you have a a wisdom about you that i think is really rare <laughs> among 16 year olds um but it is something it's a wisdom that only people who have lived like how you've been living have uh at at your age What's the best part? What's been the best part of being the son of diplomats? What's that? I think it's got to be the countries. Like, I, aside from a couple special cases like Abuja and Moscow, they're really cultured places. Like, I loved going to France and having all of the French food, except the snails. I didn't, I didn't do that bit. <laughs> you didn't have them or you didn't enjoy them? Oh, I, I didn't have them. I'm not, I'm not just no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Got very clear indications of your position on snails. Yes. <laughs> Moscow, whilst currently probably not the best place to be, before the war, it was just amazing mm. and so like you you liked what what specifically about um being in those places did you like i suppose i i'd say to people but that's not entirely true because the people tend to vary and i didn't i didn't get to know a lot of them because of language barriers i only knew international people yep. which is not quite the same but i think I really enjoyed the food and the culture specifically. Yeah. So, on weekends, you'd go exploring or? Oh, yeah. My my mum, because she is a psychopath, uh, <laughs> makes me walk every week. One time, 
while we were in France, we took the train to Montmartre. Yep. Then we walked the whole way back to the Australian Embassy, which is right beside the Eiffel Tower. That's about 27 kilometers. <laughs> we got back home 1 a.m. after witnessing a crime scene. Not a joke. So and that was that was a walk we've been on. You're going to be telling that story for years. Yes, mainly to make fun of my mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and and I I I I think your mum has given you a um a life memory, uh, but also one that I feel you could probably hold over her. It's like yes, <laughs> but do you remember that time when you like made us walk? And just like a little tip for storytelling purposes, just increase the distance each time. Yeah. We'll say 28 kilometers next yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, then we walked like 3,000 kilometers back. Um, yeah, yeah. Like no, no, no detail is, uh, is worthy, uh, is, is safe from uh, exaggeration there, Toby. Mm. So in getting, getting out, and about like how did that how did that feel for you to be um to be there depends but usually i was in a pretty good mood my parents might not always agree on that bit but we had we had some good times just walking around at parks I remember in Moscow, for some reason, they really liked the American culture, which seems very not them. Yeah. But I'd be walking at, like, Gorky Park, and they have hot dog places, so we'd just go grab a hot dog and just, like, sit under the trees. Nice. Nice. It's those kind of things. And I, th- I think there's, there's a lot of people around the world right now listening to your words and are also thinking that, you know, what you're saying here is one of the absolute highlights of the life that we get to lead. And that you don't, like, it's not, what am I trying to say here? You're being far more eloquent than I can be right now, Toby, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit jealous. But I, I want to say that this is, it's one of the privileges is that you get to essentially sit under trees in Gorky Park. Because if you were a tourist, like you'd be, you know, ticking things off a list. And, and, but being able to stay, live in a place for a few years, maybe not in your situation for the last few years, Toby, but in normal times... Uh, you know, being able to, you know, essentially put down roots for some, like in a place for three years, uh, three years, four years, five years, depending on, on um, who you work for, that can be, you know, such a, 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 a privilege. You get to actually be in that place and be of that place. May not be from that place, but, you know, you're, you get to have like your local store and your favorite restaurant where they know who you are and you don't really have to order because they just know who you are um and you know that's that's something that you don't get when you're you know in moscow for a week Mm. um so that sounds pretty cool that sounds pretty cool and i bet for many people 
you know, here here in Canberra, you know, hot dogs, uh, uh, hot dogs, eating eating hot dogs under a tree in Gorky Park is something that's you know, understandably very foreign. Yeah, but I think we can all all um, uh, relate to the you know the the forty kilometres. Uh, that yeah. your mum made you walk uh, from Montmartre to to um, to the Eiffel Tower, right? So, eliminate. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Okay, okay. <laughs> details. <laughs> so, Toby, what have been some of the toughest parts? Oh Jesus! I think if I were to hit the lowest point in my life so far it has to be after the war in russia because unlike all my other friends who are like they go to the international school because their parents work at an oil factory or work for mcdonald's or ikea those are all weird examples by the way i knew them yeah (laughs) um I was a diplomat, so that meant I had to stay in Russia for an extra six months after the war started. How, how was that? I think it was the worst time in my life. It was basically I couldn't really go anywhere because obviously my parents had to work and it's Russia, so they had to work. Yeah. So they wouldn't come home until five, but you know, five sounds good, but when you're home all by yourself, it feels like a much later hour. Mm. Yeah. What time did, what, 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 what were the school hours? <laughs> and oh, sorry. The, school hour- yeah. The internet did something crazy then. Yep. Yeah. So for school hours, I think started about, eight nine ish and yep. it would end at three and i had yeah thanks mom <laughs> i had to leave a lot earlier than that yeah like to, to, to get to school yeah yeah but obviously because of the war they closed down the school so we we went back to online classes after covid yeah and I didn't leave the house for days on end. Okay. That is tough. That is tough. And from the perspective of a parent, that's really tough. Like that's 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 tough for everyone. Um and how how did you how did you get through that point, through that tough time. Even when something really bad is happening, it doesn't stop little things from helping you through it. So every day my my mum would leave some money behind, like a couple rubles, which now probably worth like one cent mm-hmm. per thousand rubles, but still. <laughs> so I, I get some money and I just go to the little store at the corner and I get... The only two Western things you could still get in Russia, which for some reason were two-minute noodles and M&Ms. Excellent. That's a meal of champions right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I, I'm looking forward to your cookbook, Toby, uh, on a hundred recipes to do with with M and M's uh, and and two minute noodles. Oh, it's great. We got we got spaghetti tacos. Uh, we got a pizza taco, which is just a calzone that I didn't know what calzone was at the time. <laughs> I think there's going to be listeners uh, in uh, in in Mexico uh, and Italy who are like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that you've done that with our food." But um, but you know, it's tough times. Tough times. You've got to make do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well done on being uh, you know enterprising and and creative. Um, I need to ask, because one of our boys is obsessed with M&Ms, uh, I need to know what kind of M&Ms, because uh, I feel that he's going to probably take up your your recipe suggestion here. I, I'm i sure they're going to call me a normie, but the best M&Ms are the original M&Ms, and no other M&Ms are better. Not oh. even peanut. Oh, this is contentious. This is contentious. Because um, I have to say, I, I have had coffee nut in the u.s it's really tasty it's really tasty um i mean maybe for a grown-up but as a child i yeah. have to disagree <laughs> yeah yeah our our kids when they tried that they were not fans uh which was fine by me it was uh, i got the whole packet so um there was there was method to that it was guaranteed that i could actually have some rather than having to share it um but that's 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 really tough, isn't it? Yeah. And how like what was what was like for how long was that? That's the question I'm trying to stammer out there. How long was that for? So it was it wasn't as hard during the first couple months, but it was a about a six month period which I divide in two. We had the first bit where it was like I still had school, but then summer hit and it was just me without anything, mm. not even teachers. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm going to say most of your classmates were, if they were still oh, they, in, in Russia, they would have left for, for summer maybe. No, they they were gone. Everyone was gone. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because they were working with companies that, or their parents were with companies that had pulled out of Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Toby, that's really tough. It is, but I mean, as much as I can say, uh, like they've they've given me some of the best experiences of my life as well. Yeah. A, cu- a couple, um, just at the end of Russia, they they let me do which was one of my favorite things I've ever done. Let me go to summer camp in Scotland. I don't remember the details of that, but it was greatest experience of my life. Scotland. Yeah, Scotland forever. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that there was some respite from that. And I suspect that there were, um, that there were people who were really concerned about you and your welfare and, and, you know, like absolutely your parents, absolutely your parents. But um, I, I feel that there were others who were, you know, wanting, uh, wanting some, you know, to care for you. Uh, so 
from you know from do what they can with what they could i i have to admit for that as someone who is now in canberra i don't think as many people in canberra cared for me as they did in russia like mm. obviously they in russia they had to care for me i was there but canberra is a, it's got a different culture you don't know what's happening you can't feel like the effects like when you're in canberra you just say oh there's a war going on in russia right now i'm sure it's pretty bad but every night when i heard fireworks because they do that in moscow for some reason i yeah. thought it was gunshots and it it was really tough yeah i i yeah toby like what you're saying to me now is reminding me of conversations that we had to have with our children in Seoul. And, you know, the, the, the realisation on our nine-year-olds' faces, back they were nine then, that in, you know, like the, the, the air raid drills that they were doing where they would be taken down to the basement of their school and when they realised that their parents might not be able to make it to rescue them if the missiles were falling for real. That's really tough. It's really tough as a family, isn't it? It There's always just like little things that you realise in life that'll make it harder to keep going yeah Ab abuja for example was <clears throat> well i mean it's nigeria and we've all gotten the email from the nigerian prince so yes we as nigeria great place don't have anything against anyone there but there were a lot of security measures and they were there for reasons yeah how was that living living in in that kind of environment Abuja and Russia were both bad for me, but for different reasons. Abuja was, I think, still better than, than war Russia. Yeah. But cause we, I was only in Abuja for about seven months before them went to Paris and then Russia. And now it just kept going like that. Yep. But Abuja, I look back at it with good memories and bad memories, which... I can say the same for Russia. Yeah. And the, like, what's a good memory from Nigeria? A good memory. Okay. Uh, so I've got a couple good memories. I remember the last thing I did <laughs> was make an advertisement for an ice cream shop <laughs> at, at the mall. Because, you know, I'm obviously a great actor, but <laughs> uh, they, we saw a, a camera crew at a cafe we used to frequent because it was the only cafe we were allowed to go to. Um, and I just started talking to them and it's one thing led to another and I was next day as an advertisement. Uh, and they said, 
oh my god, would you like to keep doing advertisements? And then I, I left Abuja the next day. Oh so, no! A a <sighs> a budding marketing uh, career cut short. Um, but but I like to think Toby that you're the face of ice cream uh, in, or at least that ice cream shop in uh, in in Abuja. Um, yeah, yeah. I hope you're getting royalties. Well, I mean, if anyone from Haribo or Trolley or any of those places is watching this, you know, hit me up. <laughs> you've got you've got skills, you've got experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not like I could see you dropping out of school, just you know, taking up a a professional um, uh, lolly and confectionery uh, modeling um, and and advertising career. Um, that sounds very good. Um, <laughs> the um, and. So how long were so you you were in Abuja uh, and then Paris for a little while, Moscow for a little while, uh, and then to Belgrade. Yes, and then camp. Right. How long were you in Belgrade? Four months, maybe six. Okay. Yeah, and that's like that was another school. Another school, make some friends, and then leave them again. Right, and perhaps uh, perhaps a a tough question. Like, are you keeping in contact with those with those friends? Ooh, uh, I gotta say, well, for a couple of friends, I haven't kept in good contact with. A couple of friends, I'm not friend with anymore, and I hate that. But still, but there's always at least in one posting, that one friend who we both stay in contact. Nice. Nice. Because um, there's something special in those, in that kind of relationship, isn't there? Mm. Like, because there are other people who understand. Yeah. And, you know, different to your parents. Mm. I mean, my parents, the only consistent thing throughout my life, I think, Oh my god, this is cringe. But my parents are my best friends. <laughs> I don't think that's cringe at all. Um, I think that's awesome, and I think that that goes to a point that I reckon so many people listening who live this life with a family unit, however that family looks, like it, it, it's intense. The life is intense, isn't it? Mm. And you know, very quickly, um, you know, you you have to like in no like in a way like no other, you have to really work out how to continue life in all sorts of circumstances. Mm. Um, also, while you know going to school, living life, parents going to work. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is pretty intense, isn't it? Mm. Well, I, I'm in Canberra now, as I've said probably like six times already. But it it's weird being here. Everything is so unbelievably normal. Like, everywhere else, there's always some kind of language difference or maybe a different religion. I'm atheist, by the way. doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know, there's always been some kind of thing in between us. But now I'm in Australia and 
it is exactly me, Australian and Filipino. Uh, but it's kind of just, it feels really weird being normal and it feels really normal being weird. That's brilliant. Love it. That's so brilliant. And I like I'm not quite sure if if our kids will listen to this, but they'd be like, "Yeah. We've had this conversation around our table as well." And I'm sure like it sounds like you've had this conversation too around your dining table, your dinner table. But it's like, "Okay, so you're home now." Oh god. And, but home is a place that, you know, is like where your passport says you're from. But I, I don't think Canberra is my real, real home. It's definitely a really nice place and I do like being here, but it's not home. Yeah. Yeah. How does that feel to say? Feels a little bit mean. Canberra has been very nice to me the last couple of months. It's it's only been a couple of months. And, you know, everyone here likes to talk about the weather, too. God. It's <laughs> old. The weather. My house, it's too cold. They don't put insulation anywhere. I know. I know. I'm, like, Canadians? Canadians, please turn the volume down for a little while. We're going to talk about the cold and nobody out colds a Canadian. I'm just going to say that right now. But like Canadian friends who have been posted in Canberra, you know how cold our houses are. Um, And for a place that gets really cold um, uh, in an Australian sense, not in a Canadian sense, um, it is really, uh, yeah, like our house is freezing. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, it just sort of makes it so much worse. Um, yeah. Like, so, I want to, like, how, what, what am I trying to ask you, Toby? There's, like, so many things going on in my mind and my mouth can't keep up. I feel like I should be giving you the microphone. Uh, and, um, but I, I want to know... Like, what are your techniques for getting settled? You know, have you thought about what you, like, do you have a process for getting settled into a new place? Hmm. I don't really have a process, but there's always things that you got to do first. First of all, pick your room, pick your room. Get the best room if possible. <laughs> but you, go, you if you have even just like a poster or a little toy you like to keep around, Take it in your suitcase because it, it's going to make your home a lot more your home yeah. than a, a white room. Yeah. And what's that for you? My home, my my thing, sorry. Well, I my room is a menagerie of random and, my French here, complete bullshit. <laughs> but I, I've always got... My, my room is like a practical joke on myself. I've got so much stuff. So in the corner, I've got like my drawers. And on top of the drawers, I've got a little collection of artifacts. Like I've got a little Russian uh, curtain hanger, which is a strange thing to say. <laughs> I've got one of those tourist Eiffel Towers. 
uh, a little toy I got from Laos. Then on my wall, you know, as all 16-year-old boys should, I have the communist flag right next to the Lemanberg flag from my favorite Minecraft series. I I think we could probably go with Bohemian Eclectic uh, or Diplomatic Eclectic as a style theme um, there, which which I think, um, you know, keep, keep developing that. Uh, and, you know, you could be uh, not only some kind of confectionery sales model uh, extraordinaire, but you could also, you know, get into into design and, and um, you know, for diplomatic eclectic. I mean, I do I do have one of those Bat-19 giant chub-chubs in my room. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, I think, uh, like, you know, for every time that, you know, just a, for, for, you know, a, a lollipop emergency, uh, is, is it full? My room will never be full, but it's it's got all of the things I do not need in it. But does it, like, give you a sense of, of like, that's your space? It's definitely my space. It, it says me more than anything I could ever show anyone. How does that feel? I mean, it's a, it's a little bit surreal showing someone my room, because, you know... As much as I want them to see the little table in the corner, which I probably use for satanic rituals or something. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, I it it's a little bit awkward. It's like showing a different part of yourself. Yeah, because that you know that 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 might feel like it's you know it's always you. It's a bit of you on display in a place you know that. In a, in a place that, you know, you don't really get to um, have as yours. Like, you know, you don't get many places to have that are consistent in your life, I guess. Does that feel feel true? Yeah, I think yeah. that's true. Yeah. I think that's really, I think that's lovely. And I think that kind of sense of having your own space is really um, is really important. So when you move, right? So you know you obviously can't take uh, you know everything with you in your room um, and put it in a suitcase and take it between different places. You know, stuff has to get shipped. What goes into your like travel with with Toby suitcase that helps you feel, you know, home? I, so obviously gotta go with the clothes, which fashion. Obviously, I'm beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the model, the modeling portfolio. Yes. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> but there's always you, I gotta bring my laptop because it has all of the different worlds, like my video games, inside of it. Yep. It has Discord, which I use to talk to all of my friends. I guess, I guess the internet is its own little world for me. Hmm. Um, Gotta bring a couple of board games. Got a a couple favorites as of recently, which are Articulate and what what's the train game's actual name? Ticket to Ride. Ticket, ah, to, ride. Ticket to Ride. Which one? The the European one or the American one? Uh, we've been playing the European one, but we got the Japan DLC. Oh wow! I didn't know that there was a Japan one. Yeah, it, oh. it comes with 
be too, but we're not going to use that. Right, because, yeah, we've got Ticket to Ride as well. Um, and I don't know. I'm just going to just declare to the world that I like the game. Um, uh, I'm not very good at it. Uh, and the strategy just eludes me. Um, and, uh, yeah, but anyway, so it's a great game. Mm. And so you you take you take board games, you take you know your laptop with like the world in it. Mm. Uh, what else? I don't like. I said I always bring one of those little things that you put in your room. Maybe sometimes some cards, like Pokemon cards. Yep. Maybe like a nice painting, but there's always something that'll be with me. Nice. I've done that already. Uh, w- oh, one thing, every diplomat, even if like you, this is essential, please bring your favorite Australian or wherever country you're from food. You will not get it. It doesn't matter what it is. You will not get it. What's yours? Oh, that, that's a tricky one. My, <laughs> I got to say my entire family thinks it's chicken crimpies because, uh, I got a, an entire cupboard's worth of them. For Christmas last year, gone, gone. <laughs> but there's always a couple things that will be my favorite, like Redskin slash Rippers. They changed the name because it was racist, and then they yep. named it after murderer. So that great mm. thinking there, Allens. Yep, yep. They um, just trying to how how would we describe that for people who aren't Australian? They've like okay, so. Chewy the, and like fake raspberry. Uh, imagine that cliche candy you see in cartoons. Stretch it out and make it raspberry flavored. Also, can confirm it's not fake raspberry because I I started a little lemonade stand which I'm actually doing tomorrow at school. Yeah, but I figured out how to perfectly recreate the taste. It is delicious. Because that taste, I don't know, I might be showing my age here, Toby, um, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, I love, what are they called now? Rippers? Um, yeah, right. And, yeah, like, you know, eat them while driving, like, you know, the road trip car, uh, road trip lollies. Um, and, yeah, they just sort of get me right in the back of the teeth. Um, now they're, like, so sweet. Um, but for me, they're the taste of the pool in summer on a really hot day and you could go and you know buy a packet of chips and and you know those those lollies um and uh yeah sit and eat them by the pool um and then just sort of go for a swim after that so yeah for you it's it's and and you said chicken crimpies oh chicken crimpies again for those who are not australian imagine a cracker but not chicken flavored and 10 times better <laughs> even though they say that they're chicken yeah I, there's no chicken in that i i can't see it it's like chicken salt on a on a cracker right yeah yeah um and yeah like there's there's heaps of those uh i think each country has has their different ones but um but yeah they're they're really good they're really good good choice good choice yeah. i'm really like you get extra points um because, like, you know, not the Vegemite, not... Uh, uh, oh, my not... God. Vegemite overrated as heck. <sighs> it's not good. 
is it tastes like it sounds. Uh, Toby, I'm with your mum. I'm with your mum. It's like the best thing ever. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's really good. I, I think that's really some some really good, like, solid advice. And having, yeah, I, I just think, uh, like, speaking to, to the listener now, I think one of the... One of the things that my friend Katja Vlahos said, I think it was back in like episode three, uh, talking about home, is doing exactly what Toby has said there, is like taking a bit of home, however you define home, wherever home is for you, um, taking a bit with you, you know, so a smell, a flavour, um, uh, like the, 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 the sensation of like a blanket or something like that sort of can immediately make you or like, you know, the, the, like the comfy slippers, um, you know, something that you can take with you that, that, um, that immediately helps you to relax even when you're in unfamiliar situations and stuff. I think that's something that we all do anyway, but I think, Toby, that's really good um, that you're doing that. And I think, you know, probably been doing that longer than uh, than you care to remember as well. So, final question. Sorry, go on. You go first, you go first. Okay. Final question for you. So, what advice, you've kind of touched on it now, what advice would you give to the bosses bosses yeah so the bosses of the um so if you let me rephrase this if you were the boss if you were the boss of you know in the australian context dfat if you were in the boss of you know the state department in the us or global affairs in canada or the bundesauswärtigesamt in 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 germany if you were the the boss of that and or you had responsibility for the care of children what would you what would you do listener it was at this point that toby's mum came onto the screen and said that toby was trying to share his experience without getting anybody into trouble and she said that she had noticed that uh, toby was getting a bit agitated as he was trying to find that balance of telling his story without getting anyone into trouble. Toby, in the way that teenagers do, denied this. But you might be hearing Toby clicking the pen he was holding as he's speaking. We'll pick the conversation back up at the point that Toby said that he really did want to continue. So here it is. Toby, like like now that now that I know that, um and like I can give this, I can ask that one more time and you mm -hmm. just give your answer or I can, um, you know, leave it as, as it is if you're happy with that. I, I think I'm happy with my answer. Good, good. It is scary. It is scary. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, I get scared that I'm going to get people into trouble. Mm. I, 
it's I don't know. A lot of this could be problematic. No, and, but I think there's 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 a balance here, and like you know, that's like the most diplomatic answer ever. There's a balance, but mm. sometimes sometimes the balance needs to go to the people who really don't get a voice. I've got to be like a grad and just spew my opinion no matter what it's about. <laughs> I'm going to say, Toby, what, you're do- what you've said takes courage, mm-hmm. right? And so I hope, I hope, like, I'm really, like, I've, you know, known you for all of a bit over an hour now. Like, what you've done, what you're doing is tremendously courageous. And there are people who might not have that courage, but desperately want to. And I've seen, like I, you know, in what I do here, and for the last, you know, four years people sharing stuff with me that has been really tough and they don't want to get into trouble. But one of the things, and, you know, if if your mum can still hear me, but one of the things that, that I often say is that, you know, just because it makes us uncomfortable, it might be an inconvenient truth, doesn't mean that we don't get to say it. Yes. And yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's something something that you know I still I still wrestle with. I don't get I don't want to get it. Uh, I don't want to get into trouble. I don't want to get other people into trouble. But also, I also want people to know that they're not alone in dealing with some pretty tough times of life. I, I, I don't really know what to say at this point. It's kind of just things that are the truth. And I, mm. it's, it's tricky. It's a, like a bed of nails. Hmm. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. Toby, I have to say, this is like, just been a fantastic conversation. I'm really like, I'm impressed. Like I'm I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Because your yeah, your experience provides an insight, gives a voice that is so rarely heard beyond like potentially sweeping statements. I like like I think you've said a couple of times, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I think I just want life to be a little bit easier for not just me, because I know diplomats everywhere especially the Diplo Brats, as I dubbed myself, mm-hmm. are 
all living in tricky situations. And I know even not just the diplomats, but all of the kids at the international schools and not even just them, but all of the kids at the private schools and then all of the kids at the public schools. I think all of the kids everywhere have their own tricky situations that they have to go through. And they've all got their little things that they can and can't say because of what could happen. Mm. Even like somewhere as simple as social media, like Twitter, for example, something you said seven years ago can be taken severely out of context and you can be punished for it. Mm. Yeah. I admire, I admire your bravery and your courage. I think it's awesome. I think, I'm, I don't think I'm that brave. I think every, every single one of us diplomats are, are brave in our own ways. And I think we just need something to bring us together so we can talk about it. That you trust me with a bit of your story. I'm just going to say that that's a huge honour. It's a privilege. It's a privilege, Toby. To be fair, I am an egotist. I would spew this out to, like, the guy at 7-Eleven if I had to. <laughs> if just given the that 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 you know, I'm not the guy at Seven Eleven, but I'm me. Uh, is is even better. Um, but <laughs> Toby, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I really do feel that you, your insight, some of your story, will get families around the world whoever they work for, wherever they are, having a conversation about what it means for teenagers, children and teenagers like you, who are, you know, sometimes otherwise kind of swept up in the word dependence. But it's a reminder that the dependence, however however they are, are real people that this life impacts them in great ways and sometimes, like, I don't want to say the word, but harmful ways. Because I can't, like, it's not me saying in a diagnosis sort of way, but it's in a way that's like, you know, <laughs> what else do we say? without, like, going to diplomatic understatement. Mm. I think ev everyone has, like... I think being alive is harmful to life itself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like... Very true. Yes. I'm, I'm just saying, mother nature, kind of cruel, making us kill each other so we can stay alive. Mm. That, that seems a little bit ironic, and I'm using ironic correctly there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say that you are going to, like, this conversation is going to start other conversations that might make people, might, might make people uncomfortable. Well, I mean, I'm very good at making people uncomfortable. Good. Don't change. Change does not come when we're comfortable.
Mm-hmm. The change that we need does not come when we're comfortable. Change does not come when we ask for permission either. So, saying things in a way that makes people uncomfortable, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Toby. It's a privilege and an honor that you've shared some of your truth with us, with me, with the listeners. Thank you, too. And it's, I'd, been, it's been an honor being on the podcast. Thank you. And, like, wish you nothing but success through the rest of, like, schooling and life. And I'm just going to be sitting back with popcorn watching what you do. I think it's going to be awesome. Thank you. Uh, one last thing before we go. Uh, if Ben and Jerry's, Hagen Daz, or Copenhagen want to reach out to me, I'm free. <laughs> uh, like, I think an unbeatable trio right there. <laughs> now you've got me thinking of ice cream now, Toby. Damn you. Thank you so much. We got a whole tub of Neapolitan waiting right there. <laughs> I'm coming over. Well, that was really powerful, wasn't it? I feel that we can all relate in some way or other to Toby's unique experience, whether we're a parent forcing our children to hike miles through city streets on holidays, or we're the child who's simply trying to make friends, trying to fit in and find their place in the world and grow up in a family who's living their diplomatic life. Toby, to you, I want to thank you again for your courage in speaking your frustration. And if you're the child of diplomats, Toby wants you to know that he's set up a Discord server where you can go and chat and get some support from peers. And I'll put details of that Discord server in the show notes. My final message is to the adults listening. It's okay to be uncomfortable And truths have a way of making us uncomfortable in ways that we don't initially appreciate. We all now have a choice with how we respond to this truth now that we've heard it. Do you, in hearing that truth, respond defensively? Do you say kind and supportive things, but then really do nothing? Because both of these are choices. Or, after listening to what Toby's just said, do you choose to sit with the discomfort you're feeling and listen to those who, just like Toby, are feeling frustrated with feeling unseen and unheard? And I'll simply say that when we humans feel seen and when we humans feel heard, we feel that we belong. Humans. All humans including those in diplomacy, are capable of great things when we feel that we truly belong. And we will do what is needed to feel seen and to feel heard because that need to feel belonging is innate in humans. That's it for this episode. Be sure to check out all my content and services helping diplomats and those living the diplomatic life. So, for you to reconnect with themselves and the world around them through my website, thelonelydiplomat.com. 
Remember, you're not meant to endure loneliness for long, and you're worthy of receiving the same love and support that you so freely give to others. Please like, comment, and share this episode so it reaches more diplomats experiencing loneliness and lets them know, just as you now know, that they're not alone. It does sound like you're getting ready to go, so until next time, be awesomely and humanly you, because the world really does need more you. All sounds used are freeware in the public domain. All views expressed in this episode are my own and do not reflect any official position. I am not a licensed mental health professional. I encourage you to seek the services of a licensed mental health professional if the content of this episode challenged you beyond your current capacity to mentally, emotionally, and or physically respond yourself. Thanks for listening.